You are listening to Mining Stock Education, where you'll learn from the top leaders in the natural resource sector and uncover quality mining investment opportunities. You know, lay what has happened, say, since whatever, the middle of February to now against previous bear markets. The only thing it compares to is 1929. And again, you've got to slow it down in order to make that comparison work. Um, the speed with which this has hit is is truly the, you know, one of the most historic and sort of unprecedented things um, in market history. This is going to be a case study in the future of how, you know, markets theoretically can fall. This is Mining Stock Education, and I am your host, Bill Powers. Thank you for tuning in. On today's show, we're going to get a perspective of current events from a fund manager, Will Thompson. He is the managing partner of Massive Capital. You can find more information about Will and his fund at massivecap.com. That's M-A-S-S-I-F as in Frank, C-A-P.com. Will, thanks for coming on the show again. And for those that aren't familiar and haven't listened to our past few interviews, please describe how your fund goes about investing and then how are you navigating your fund through this crisis? Uh, Well, thanks for having me on again, Bill. Um, So for those that that don't know, uh, Massive Capital is a long, short equity fund. Uh, We invest specifically in industrials, uh, basic materials, and uh, energy. Uh, The basic materials portfolio generally makes up anywhere from uh, a third to a half of uh, the overall portfolio, and it's it's primarily mining. Uh, Every once in a while, you know, you'll see something else in there, ag-related or something, but but principally mining. Um, I just think from a sort of general philosophical perspective, we are sort of deep due diligence, uh, value investors um, in granted uh, cyclical spaces, but uh, nevertheless value investors. Um, you know, overall, I think managing the fund through the current environment is definitely uh, a challenge. I think managing any portfolio at the moment is a challenge. Uh, volatility of this sort of nature and this uh, level can sort of make anyone look like an idiot. Um, I think what we are doing is we are sort of sticking to our knitting, um, which is primarily, you know, deploying capital on the long side into companies that we know very well with management teams that we know um, and sort of being uh, cautiously optimistic with that deployment. Um, so, you know, for us, uh, we we tend to run or, or are trying to run. Uh, closer to market neutral with sort of equal longs and shorts um, sort of coming into this year. That's how we were positioned. Um, And so on the long side, you know, we we are occasionally adding to positions, you know, adding a little 1% here, 1% there. Um, But we aren't necessarily being particularly aggressive yet. Um, There are what look to be some developing opportunities that are going to be fantastic. Um, But I, I think there's still plenty of time to be patient. Um, you know, there's plenty of money to be made, if you will, by sitting on your hands uh, during sort of current events, I think. Um, and that that's primarily because, you know, the uncertainty level is so high uh, that uh, one definitely wants to find sort of the businesses they want to buy. Um, but, you know, sort of uh, tiptoe lightly into them, I think. So on the short side, I would say we're, we're definitely being a little more aggressive. Um we had a pretty significant short book coming into this, and 
uh, have continued to add to it here and there. We're still finding the occasional opportunity um, sort of to add to the short book, uh, not not necessarily in, in certain uh, beaten down sectors like, say, U.S. fracking or something like that, um, but uh, definitely still some idiosyncratic short opportunities out there specifically related to, to various different companies' business models. Um, and again, m- more so on the industrial side of things, business models where, you know, sort of access to capital markets is uh, uh, necessary um, for the survival of the business. Um, those uh, are, are great so short candidates at the moment, in our opinion, and, and we're still finding them from time to time. Will, uh, the Dow is down, as you know, 30% off its uh, recent highs just in the last 30 days. There's even blue chip stocks that are down 50%, gold stocks down 50% or more, depending on which stock you're looking at. So you also have the shorts that you mentioned. Did your shorts kind of save your portfolio here in the last two weeks and cause you to outperform at least the Dow? Uh, we have a short book uh, that has basically kept up with our long book. Um, we also run a tail risk hedge uh, via uh, options. Um, and between uh, the the short book and the tail risk hedge, we we are up for the year, um, although you know it, it's only a few percent. So it's not as if we've... Uh, um, you, we're not we're not a sort of tail risk fund that you know might be up um, you know a couple hundred percent because they have some sort of very leveraged option strategy. Um, we employ the tail risk hedge to generate liquidity at the sort of bottom of cycles or during events like this, and um, thus far it, it has done that. And sort of between that and the short book, we're up a couple of percent. There's been a lot of talk about the rush to liquidity and thus the strengthening of the U.S. dollar in the past two weeks. Uh, did your fund rush to liquidity at all, or because you had these short positions, you're just staying put with the investments that you have? The only way uh, or the only direction capital has gone basically is out. Um, so we have continued to deploy capital, as I said, patiently, um, but we did not rush to liquidity uh, in the core portfolio at all. Um, we do run a mining-only portfolio for a couple of people. Uh, a couple of our institutional clients and things like that. And I will say that there uh, we have more juniors, um, pre, uh, pre-production mines, and we did liquidate a couple of those positions, not because we don't think that the companies are uh, worth every penny that they're trading for, uh, but because of the potential for a pre-production, you know, zero revenue mine, regardless of sort of the, the outcome, uh, or the the near future to fall to you know f- fall ninety percent or seventy five percent is quite high, um, and so uh, it was definitely a bit more of a trading decision than an investing decision. Um, but you know, sort of rule number one is you know don't lose money, and and we saw it as an opportunity to get out of a couple of positions. But um, generally speaking, uh, capital has just flowed into the market, not the opposite way. Within the mining sector, when you are going to be redeploying more cash, what are some of the opportunities that you're, that you're going to be looking for? And what type of signals for an entry point could you share with us? There's going to be a couple of different opportunities. I, I think the, the easiest and most sort of obvious opportunity uh, is that there are definitely some majors, um, producers, um, you know, and, and I haven't looked necessarily at, say, Rio Tinto or BHP, um, but, you know, sort of companies of that that 
scale and size and expertise, et cetera, uh, that are, are trading at prices that are uh, too low. Um, and those are you know, sort of uh, good places to put capital, um, in our opinion, for the, sort of, for the near future. Um, for those that are looking for something a little more adventurous, I think you know, one has to be quite cautious uh, and one has to really focus um, on the, the, the near-term catalyst. So if you've got something, you know, and I'm thinking something like, say, a, a, a trilogy metals, let's say, great, you know, very interesting deposit, things like that, um, but they don't have any real catalysts in the near future. Um, you know, you can be really patient with something like that. You know, that, that mine doesn't, doesn't have a spade in the ground. It doesn't have funding. You know, it, it's a long way off. Um, but, you know, something... Um, you know, something more like an Adriatic, uh, or, um, well, we like Equinox gold quite a bit. Um, you know, so something with some more solid catalysts, uh, in the immediate term where revenue is going to be turned on, cash flow is going to be turned on. Um, those are, are still opportunities that I think are well worth looking at. Um, over the course of the next, you know, sort of six months. Um, but I would be cautious, uh, more cautious than usual about uh, juniors or developers that, that don't really have an obvious and hard catalyst, not because there isn't value there, um, but just because of the potential for the money to, to sort of sit there for quite a long time um, before uh, there's a, a pickup again. And, and keep in mind, you know, th these are things I think. I do not know them. Um, but these are just sort of the impressions I have about the way the market is. That being said, um, I will say I observed this morning, and I think it's kind of interesting, uh, you know, Lithium Americas, which is a, a junior uh, lithium producer, um, which we have a small position in, uh, came out this morning and said um, they're going to have to put a halt on construction uh, and the that'll delay the startup of their their lithium brine mine um, by you know sort of into the first half of 2021. Um, and you know despite that news, uh, it is you know it's only sold off about one percent today. Um, I'm not saying that that necessarily means that it has bottomed as a stock, um, but that does sort of indicate to me uh, that there is a reasonable um, again, just sort of reasonable possibility uh, that you know we've sort of hit a point for that individual stock uh, th that it's in strong hands, right? It, it's not in you know necessarily lots of retail hands who are just playing it for a quick pop. It, it's sort of it's sunk to the point where it is at strong hands. Now that's not necessarily true across the board for all uh, juniors, um, you know. But but those I think are some of the signals that you know you want to be looking for. Um, and uh, the idea that we could see a, a pop here in a bunch of names sort of across the board uh, is not unreasonable in the history of sort of bear markets. Um, I, I assume we're in a, in a proper bear market or at the very least at the beginning of a proper bear market here. Um, you know, a bear market rally 
uh, is to be expected. Um, and so there, there are some potential interesting opportunities for more short-term trades, especially where you see a signal, at least in my opinion, like you might be seeing with Lithium Americas. One issue I would take with uh, your comments regarding Trilogy is that they have $92 million in the bank. They do have internal catalysts. However, mm. it's not coming cash flow. And they are a sponsor of the show, so I am biased. But uh, nonetheless, uh, with $92 million in the bank, they do have a lot of uh, sustainability to where you, you get a lot of these juniors that they don't know where their next six months is going to come from. And so with a partner like South 32, with the management team they have, and at nearly a dollar US, when nine months ago, the stock was at $3, I will say this about how I've observed for the last two years that stock reacts. If there is a turnaround in sentiment turns and people feel good about the economy, let's say in six months from now, that stock I would expect to be multitudes of where it is. So even from a trading standpoint, I think that it's good because you know you're not going to have dilution. The cash will last three years. And when they do come to a production decision, they have South 32, who is just rolling in cash to help yeah. them get into construction. So that's that's my one contention with what you said. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, no. I, I, uh, I, I, first of all, I had no idea they were sponsored the show. I was just sort of, I'll be, be sort of contextualized what my thought process was there. Uh, I was just grasping for some, I think we've got a number of juniors out there right now that have potentially, you know, these potentially wonderful, very large deposits. Um, but they don't necessarily have a lot going on between now and, you know, sort of uh, construction starting and things like that. You know, there, there is this orphan period, if you will, as we all sort of know about who follows sort of mining stocks. And, and it was by no means meant trilogy specifically, just a lot, you know, large deposits that are going to require a lot of capital and a lot of development time. One, you know, one could point to something like Saul Gold, for, for example, or something, you know, they're just big deposits right now where, you know, there might be definitely a pause before things sort of pick up again, as opposed to things with more immediate catalysts. Uh, that's, you know, so I think that's the difference here and what we're looking for. And Will, as you kind of assess where we're at, are there historical precedents? You like to read history. We we're just chatting about a history book you read before we hit record. What historical precedents? Is it the Spanish flu of 1917 and 18 that caused the stock market crash and then a rebound? Or is this a 1929? I mean, any parallels you see here? I hesitate to say this, uh, but the, the only parallel at this point, we, we have taken a look at uh, every bear market uh, from the peak to the trough um, in the last, uh, dating back to 1929, um, for the S&P and the Dow and things like that, and plotted it out to sort of look for some comparables to see what lessons we can learn. Um, and unfortunately, uh, although the, you know, sort of the, the size of the fall, if you will, you know, down 30%, down 36% for the uh, or down, let's see, where's the Russell? The Russell's down 36%, you know, S&P 25, 30% for the Dow. You know, th that's not uncommon for a bear market. You know, frankly, it's, in my opinion, it's not far enough. Um, but what is uh, completely unprecedented is the speed. So the only comparable at this point is 1929. And it's only a comparable if you slow down 
how fast we've fallen. So if you look at the actual uh, charts and you sort of lay, you know, lay what has happened, say, since, uh, you know, whatever, the middle of February to now against previous bear markets, the only thing it compares to is 1929. And again, you've got to slow it down in order to make that comparison work. Um, the speed with which this has hit uh, is is truly the you know one of the most historic and sort of unprecedented things um, in market history. Uh, this is gonna be a case study in the future um, of how you know markets theoretically can fall. Um, uh, and we may not be done. I mean, do you think we no. can fall further? I think we can. Oh, I uh, I don't see any reason why you know we don't fall further. Um, I, I mean, I'm not gonna try and pick a bottom point or, or anything like that. Um, but if, you know, if the real economic impact is as severe as it theoretically could be, um, you know, we may see a pop in the middle somewhere again, some, a couple of little bear market rallies. Uh, but if this is a bear market, the retracement that needs to occur for it to sort of fit with historical bear markets, you know, we still got another, you know, maybe 20% to go. Um, you know, that the the 10-year run since 2008 has been dramatic. And, and the question is, you know, uh, what kind of retracement needs to occur um, for, for the market to settle down again? And I, I don't see any reason why you know, a 40 or 50% fall like one sees in bear markets on a 10 sort of 10 year basis uh, is out of the question. So even with that, then that potential expectation, you're not just rushing to cash, you're you're still sticking with some of your positions. The idea of rushing to cash, you shouldn't be in the stock market. In, in, this is my opinion, again, and this is just this is what I think I do not know this. You know, if you're not prepared to take a 50% hit on a stock, then you shouldn't be in the stock. You know, companies rise and fall, but value doesn't change that much. Uh, and so we got plenty of stuff. We've got some oil stuff that's off, you know, 50, 60 percent. Um, you know, you got a mining company that's down 70 percent. Um, but if the thesis still holds, the thesis still holds. And so you have no reason to get out. Um, and in fact, you have reason to buy. You know, this market, people have to to switch the way they're thinking about it. You know, again, patience is important, but uh, things are on sale right now. And this is the only time anyone has a sale, and people say, "Oh, I need to preserve cash," right? You know, no, nobody walks into uh, Target or Walmart and says, "Oh, everything's on sale. I better not spend any money." Your fund must have not been leveraged though, because a lot of these funds that rushed to cash, they were leveraged. So that's probably the difference. That's that's probably absolutely true. Um, leverage is a you know it's a two-edged sword. Um, so uh, if you are levered, then yeah, you definitely need cash right now. Um, but uh, you know, cautious and and sort of thoughtful uh, portfolio positioning. Um, uh, is quite important. Um, so if you were levered to the long side, then yeah, you, you need to rush to cash. But I, I suspect that a lot of your listeners um, are not, you know, levered portfolio hedge funds. Um, and so those individuals should be, you know, sort of patiently waiting, um, deploying capital thoughtfully um, and, and not panicking because it, it just, uh, 
you know, it, it doesn't, it doesn't add any value to your process. You know, you got to stick to your process regardless of the environment. You've been listening to managing partner, Will Thompson with Massive Cap uh, over at MassiveCap.com. Will, is there anything for our listeners that they should be aware of? You know, feel free to uh, sort of head over to our website. We provide our quarterly letters and uh, occasional research reports and things like that. So if you're interested in signing up or learning more about the fund, um, you know, you can reach us uh, via our website. Excellent. Thanks for coming on the show today, Will. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank you for listening to Mining Stock Education. Please subscribe and share this show with like-minded investors. Connect with us at miningstockeducation.com and sign up for our email list to stay in touch. Much success to you as you learn about, invest in, and profit from mining stocks. The mining business is one that generates gigantic wealth. You know, a good drill hole that converts might cost fifty or $100,000, and it might discover something worth a couple billion. There is no sector that I know of that has offered up as many predictable circumstances uh, where there was the possibility, certainly not the certainty, but the possibility of 10-for-1 returns as there is in small-cap and micro-cap mining stocks. Concommitment with that, if you don't do the work, or even if you do do the work and don't discipline yourself on the sell side, there are very few places in the world where you can lose as much money as quickly as in mining stocks too. I just started to study up on mining stocks and I just became fascinated because this is such a tiny sector and it's so volatile that either you could really, you could do really, really well or you could pretty much get blown out of the water really quickly. The mining sector is a very risky sector. It can take your money very, very quickly. Don't fall in love with stocks. Don't be overly confident and just do your work as best you can. Do your very best, but don't fall in love and don't get too overly confident because um, that's a recipe for disaster. I have met you know, professional retail investors that have made a tremendous amount of money on the junior mining space. Some of them aren't accredited, and they just they spend their days researching, talking to people, being on the phone, being pouring through financial documents, but it requires commitment. This podcast is for informational purposes only and is not to be considered personal legal or investment advice or a recommendation to buy or sell securities or any other product. We make every effort to be accurate, but the information presented is not to be considered infallible. It may contain errors and we offer no inferred or explicit warranty. If personal advice is needed, consult a qualified legal, tax, or investment professional. Do not base any investment decision on the information contained on MiningStockEducation.com, our podcasts, or videos. Make sure you always conduct your own thorough due diligence before investing. Realize that we may hold equity positions in or be compensated by some of the companies we feature and therefore are biased and hold an obvious conflict of interest. For our full disclaimer, please visit our website.